the penalties are paid, goes to the board for refreshments, such as a fine, cool glass of milk and a cookie. <laughs> when you hear that cash register sound, let me hear that again, it sounds very good. That means $5 is actually being paid out to the lucky questioner, if he's here, or it will be sent to him if he isn't. Now, there are a number of people here in the studio waiting to address that question to the board. There are some questions we've received from out-of-town listeners, and these will be presented to the board by your master of ceremonies. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we are ready for the first question. All set, Mr. Jaffe, Mr. Duffield, Dr. Overstreet, Mr. Adams. Here she comes. Morty Bauman of New York City will put the first question. Mr. Bauman. The following women are important figures in the present administration. Ms. Frances Perkins, Mrs. Nellie Ross, and Mrs. J. Borden Harriman. Can you give the positions occupied by at least two of these women? Well, just to be on the safe side, you see, we're starting off with a tribute to the ladies. I'll repeat that question to Mr. Bauman. The following women are important figures in the present administration. Ms. Frances Perkins, Mrs. Nellie Ross, and Mrs. J. Borden Harriman. Can you name the positions occupied by at least two of them? Mr. Duffield's hand is up at once. Mr. Duffield. I believe I can, Mr. Fadiman. Yes. Uh, Mrs. Nellie Taylor Ross is director of the Mint. Uh, Madam Perkins is uh, secretary of, uh, of labor. And uh, Mrs. J. Borden Harriman is uh, chairman of the Women's Committee of the Democratic Party. Chairman of the Women's Committee of the Democratic Party is a new one on me. I have a listed here as Minister to Norway. We'd better make up our minds. Uh-oh. <laughs> I think she is Minister to Norway, and uh, unless there is something, some evidence to the contrary, we'll have to ring up $5, which goes to Mr. Morty Bauman of New York City. Mm. And to two out of three. Correct. Two out of three allows us to keep the $5 for that glass of milk, Mr. Duffield. Thank you very much. <laughs> The next one comes to us from the home of culture. And it guesses where that is. Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> comes from Mr. George Smith. Correct the following line and name its author. And the line is, in the spring, a young man's fancy always turns to thoughts of love. Mr. Adams. In the spring, a young man's fancy lightly turns to thoughts of love. Very, very neat. Very, very neat. Can you tell us, uh, can you tell us, Mr. Adams, what is the source? of that remark about love. That was written by Alfred Lord Tennyson. Well, see whether you know any more about it. And do you know in what poem it appeared? I think I have him there. But he saves us from losing five dollars all the same. Bloxley Hall. Very good indeed. <laughs> sounds very much like a put-up job, but I assure you it's quite honest. Anyone looking at Mr. Adams' face will know that he's quite, quite honest. Now, the next question uh, will be delivered, given to us, by Mr. Maxwell Garnett of New York. Mr. Garnett. Uh, why would it never be necessary for the man in the moon, if married to a chatterbox, to tell her to shut up? That's a puzzler. I'm going to repeat it, see whether I understand it myself. Why would it never be necessary for the man in the moon, if married to a chatterbox, to tell her to shut up? Well, that happens to be an easy one. Oh, Mr. Jaffrey, the scientist. <laughs> there is no atmosphere on the moon, and it requires air to transmit sound waves. Therefore, she can talk from today until doomsday, and nobody will hear her. That's <laughs> Nevertheless, I've been looking over that question, and it seems to me there's a catch in it. To go to a real chatterbox on the moon, we'll be able to create enough hot air of our own to allow uh, our own atmosphere, don't you think? That's a rather weak science there, Mr. Fadiman. That's the best I can do this evening, Mr. Jaffe. 
the next uh, question comes to us from Miss Vera Chiruti of New York City, and she's going to ask the question herself. Miss Chiruti. Uh, in what well-known symphony did the composer include a chord in order to awaken a sleeping audience? That's one for musicians. I'll repeat that one. In what well-known symphony did the composer include a chord in order to awaken a sleeping audience? Mr. Adams. <clears throat> the Surprise Symphony. Well, that's a surprise answer. <clears throat> it's correct, too. Who wrote it? <laughs> Haydn. Very good, indeed. I thought you knew only batting averages, Mr. Adams. I know all. The <laughs> <laughs> Surprise Symphony by Joseph Haydn is correct. The next question comes to us from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, from Miss Dorothy Curtis. I'll read it for her. Here is a quotation from Rudyard Kipling. Give the next line. For a woman is only a woman, dot, 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 dot.